Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Dom Doran, as always, joining me as the wingman, co-host, sidekick. Really is luxurious. You know what? Really, it is now. It is, I mean, man. And we have to, we have to uh, Got realize. Got Exactly. Don't know how to act. Well, ex- you know, we've always talked about our luxurious corner booth, and it was re- it was ratty Real- before. It's reality. <laughs> right? Yeah. But now we have a real corner booth. It's beautiful. 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 Yeah. And, uh, you know, also, we have a great guest. We have Monsignor John MacArthur. He's the greatest. He's the pastor at St. Louis Catholic Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He's my pastor. Mine, too. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's a good guy. And he's also someone we want to thank for his support of the Catholic Cafe, allowing us to be here Absolutely. present. Absolutely. Uh, with us, Monsignor, welcome to the Luxurious Corner booth. Thank you, and we've kind of looked forward to this uh, new cafe here, tied into the new John Paul II Youth Ministry Center on St. Louis campus, and uh, it's terrific, and I think it's a great tool for the children to see, too, the communication that's going on in the church, part of evangelization. As we were setting this thing up, we have this big four-by-six window in there so people can walk by and see what's going on in here, and so as, as I was setting all this stuff up and put the microphones or whatever, and every time the kids would come past in the hallway, when they go to lunch or recess or whatever they're walking past and you could you could hang up uh you know a free vending machine over there with all the candy and on the other wall and they never look at they it because they're because they're fascinated they look oh, in here yeah. like what's going on in yeah. there it's yeah. something they normally don't see and we had a right on campus for them for education and like i said evangelization purposes because uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun we'll get the kids involved but right now we have the big kids here we got monsignor and tom and myself and we're going to talk a little bit about uh something that's very important and that is going to Mass on Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd think that as Catholics, Monsignor, we wouldn't have to talk about that so much because it's kind of like defines who we are, right? We, we are the only ones that call it Mass. That's right. Yeah. And I grew up in a time in the 50s and 60s where it was just a unquestioned part of your life. And I think we've fallen into the sense of today, I um, make my own decisions about things and people find not the necessity to go to church on a regular basis. They make excuses, and yet we have, in a sense, if you want to get secular, the greatest show on earth. We have Jesus Christ present in our churches, and to celebrate that in community, the, the resurrection of Jesus who died for us, and we have that sacrifice every Sunday, every day, in fact. We can't have anything greater or better in our lives as a Catholic Christian and in faith, and sometimes we just don't take the advantage of the good things that God does provide for us. Yeah, it's kind of like having, like in Memphis in the in the hot summers, having an air conditioning Unit sitting there in the window, but never pushing the on button. Exactly, just right. kind of going through it's it. Right here, and exactly. Well, you know, maybe we should start just by talking about what happens at mass and why is there a mass? Well, it's it's certainly to remember and to make present what everything our life is about in faith that Jesus died and rose from the dead, and He also taught us to eat the bread of life, the living bread that came down from heaven, which is His body and blood. And to share in his death and resurrection. So it makes us one communion, we call it, when we come up to receive the precious body and blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. To be one with Christ. And not just to say, well, I believe in him. I'm one with him in my heart. To actually have that physical union. Like Mary, who received Jesus in the Annunciation. She was carrying, in a sense, communion. The body and blood of Jesus. And we get that opportunity every day and every week of our lives. And and Jesus, of course, wants us to be faithful to the commandments, keep holy the Lord's Day. And the Catholic Church says this is the way that we do that. And it's not a law to 
inhibit us or to restrain us. It's really a law to free us to say this is what's most valuable in our lives. And it's a beautiful, beautiful opportunity every day. I think a lot of people miss the whole bit about Sunday because we hear the word Sunday obligation, hear those words, and suddenly they think this is a <coughs> this is a compliance issue and, and that you do this or bad things happen, which is kind of true. But really, sometimes people will, will say, I don't want to be forced into doing something, and they see this as an obligation and not as an opportunity for all those things that you just mentioned, especially for the, for the graces that come to us um, in, in the Eucharist. But I think, I guess... A lot of people don't realize how cool it is to recognize that really as we what we celebrate on on Sunday and the reason why we do it on Sunday, it's the, the, the new day of creation. It's the eighth day, mm-hmm. right? The, 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 everything was rewritten. History was changed. The, the, the calendar, you know, started at this point. And I guess the, the point is or when at the incarnation when Jesus came, but it affects everything. That, that we do and who we are. And really, we're celebrating Easter every Sunday. Every Sunday, it's a little Easter. That's what I was just going to say. And uh, why not um, proclaim the victory that is ours? Because we all know the reality and the mortality of humans to come share in what our victory is. And uh, it's, it's just uh, something that God gives us a gift. And sometimes you let gifts go by and don't take advantage or, and you take for granted the best things in life. And here it is, Jesus himself and his love for us. So Yeah, amen. And you know, also, I guess we should, we should if, if this is an Easter, and, you know, we have no problem filling the churches Christmas and Easter, the C&E Catholics, we call them. Not at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in fact, you have extra masses. You, you'd have one in a, in a gymnasium, you have, you know, a cafeteria and gymnasium and uh, an overflow room in our, our big parish hall. And it's like, it's amazing how many people will show up because they recognize the importance of Easter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? Maybe tradition or history, their family, and they just kind of want, they, they feel like it's a religious experience, and so they want to put a little bit back in their life. But really, that's what we do every Sunday. Yeah, and, and we also grew up at a time when the family meal on Sunday was so important. Italians and Irish and uh, everybody would gather together with their family, extended family, and they'd come to Grandma's house, and they would eat and have fellowship and love and laugh and care for one another. And that's what this is. It's God's family. And we come together, wounded people. None of us come in there because we're perfect. We come in there wounded to be fed, to be nurtured, to be helped. And what's happening there is two or three gather in my name. Jesus said, I'll be there. And also I'll be there if you hear my word. We proclaim the word, which comforts us when we're afflicted and afflicts us when we're comfortable. And there's the bread, the, the food, to be able to share in that, to have that oneness with Jesus and to come together and say, hey, we're a family and we're redeemed and we need to support and love and care for one another. And, and I have an obligation then to go out, mass sent out, to go out uh, and be Christ to other people. And you become what you eat. You become nurtured by his very presence and you become that in the world. Right, those words of dismissal at the end. Essentially, we are a mission church, sure. right? Ite misa est in, in Latin, right. but it's go, be sent. It's exactly. not enough to sit here. No. Right? You have to go and now you have to... But But this... Um, the word and the sacrament that we experience at Mass are what sustain us and right and energize us and give us uh, the power and the authority through through God and through the gift of the Church to go out and to do those things uh, the, to, to really to perform miracles, you know, in exactly. God's name. It's a beautiful thing. And we even on the other side of that, some people who come every week, they kind of come with this art, like the man who came to the wedding feast without the proper garment. We come sometimes with our own agenda and this is the way it's going to be and i'm not going to go out and i'm not going to love people i'm not going to forgive i'm coming there privately to receive my communion and i don't want to hear all this singing or all the stuff the church might be doing right. and you know we're all part of that and we all have to live and die in jesus and sometimes it is to do 
what maybe we're most uncomfortable doing, but he did that for us, and that's what the Mass is, is a celebration of his sacrifice for us and made present at every Mass. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about what we get at Mass, and I guess it's it's always nice to know, you know, in America, we like to get things, right? You, <laughs> sure. You pay some money, you get something in return, but really, these are, these are free things that are given to us, especially... Uh, because we didn't merit them, there's nothing we can do to 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 accomplish them on our own, and so uh, it's wonderful to know that these things are available to us. But what are the reasons why the church says we have to go? I mean, obviously, there's the concept of grace. I mean, we just receive God's grace, the very His very life in our lives. Yeah, and we're sitting here with Tom Dorian, who played college football and coaches our children, young kids in, in football out here, and they have to work hard and practice. And sometimes it's like, oh, this is this is really difficult. But you know you're developing character and personality and developing talents and making people part of a team, even though in August when you're practicing, you're not thinking of that. But <laughs> the effects of it are so important. And that's what happens to us, like you said, uh, Deacon Jeff, about grace. We get the life of God. If we walk in there disposed, what am I here for? I'm here as God's family member. I'm here as brothers and sisters. I'm here because I'm loved and saved and redeemed. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. But I'm so thankful for what God has done for me. And so we come, and grace is there. It's his life within us. And if we open ourselves, and we get that through the beginning of Mass when we say, I'm sorry, may God forgive mm-hmm. you. We get that when the Word is given to us, and we listen, not just hear, but listen to the Word of God. Let it be a part of us. Eat the Word. Be fed by the Word. And sometimes that Word does challenge us. I don't want to hear, forgive your enemies, or whatever Christ might say. That's too much to take. But yet, it's part of the call to die to self. And then, of course, we offer our lives through the bread and wine. That's what we've made in the world with our money, even. When people say, oh, all they want in the church is money. Well, that's who you are to give that. And it's, it's up to the church to utilize that to serve other people a proper way. But then, actually, to be there, to watch and to be present when the priest says the words of institution, take and eat, take and drink. This is my body, my blood. It's truly present there at that time. That's the, the ma- major moment of our faith. We get to see and celebrate that moment of redemption. Then we're one with that. We make peace with one another, the sign of peace. Some people don't like that still. But mm-hmm. Jesus said before you come to the altar, make peace with your brother. And all that is mm-hmm. to symbolize is that we're all sinners. We're all to be forgiven and healed. And then to go out, as we said, and sent to, to be changed. And so we're grace-filled. We're life-filled. We're Christ-filled. Amen. And all those things, the the words that are that are proclaimed, uh, the homily that's that's uh, that's taught, um, and the the Eucharist that we receive, th- those are all extremely awesome ways to receive God's grace uh, to sustain us in life. And then there's also this concept of worship and the idea that you know from the very beginning of time, from our creation, God always has asked us to have a right worship or a right understanding of who He is and who we are not. And don't you think a lot of times we a lot of folks that like. I don't want to go to worship. You know, they, they feel like uh, they've become their own gods, I guess, in a sense. Well, they have. And they, they worship, whether they like to admit it or not, they worship their possessions, they worship their home, their hobbies, they worship their philosophies, their attitudes so often. And a lot of that takes it away from the reality that I'm a person called, St. Augustine said, my heart is empty and as a place only for God. And so we're called to go there and to say, God, you are first in my life. And I know there's a lot of other things that detract us, that that seduce us in the world. And we're all priests and everybody are subject to that temptation. But again, here's that Sunday Jesus is saying, I'm not trying to browbeat you. I'm trying to get you to get your life prioritized and in order because this is who you are. 
this is what you were made to be and to do and not what you decide to be, what you decide to do. So worshiping is giving ourselves offering mm-hmm. to say, Amen. God, you are first and I love you. And even despite my failures, I want to say it publicly and privately. And I guess also there's just the concept of the fact that mother says so. We talk sometimes we refer to the church as holy mother church. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and moms always want good things for us. Right. They want us to be good members of society, members of the family, members of the body of Christ. And really, that's what the church is trying to do. Also, going to mass, she knows that's good for us. That's good for us. That's a good thing. If we, in fact, parents who are listening to this who may not go to church, uh, have their family go to church regularly, they perhaps have a lot of disciplines and rules and norms in their home that they expect their children to follow. Mm -hmm. Or there's going to be a little trouble for the children. And in the same way, we will resist that. And looking back on our lives, some things we rebelled against, everybody rebels against some people telling us what to do, what not to do. But if we look back, didn't we realize in 99.10% of the cases, that was for my good. That was because of love. Mom and dad said, do this because they loved us. Don't take the car out. Don't drink and drive. Don't do this or that. Not because they're trying to restrict you from being free but because they want you to be free to love and because you are loved by them. Well said. It's, there's a reason, Tom, he's our pastor. He's a good, good guy. He knows, good he knows a lot of stuff. Good stuff. Um, and so we've talked about all the things we get out of Mass, but I guess a lot of people are waiting for us to talk talking about the things that, that the reasons why they don't want to go. And we're going to make people wait after a break to do that. Before we, we come back, uh, I do want to remind folks at home uh, that we have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. And also, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that... We will be right I'm Bester Zemski, and this is another great moment in church history. When you think of saints, you often think of saintly qualities like patience, love, humility, and generosity. Not so with St. Jerome, a priest and doctor of the church born in the mid-4th century. On more than a few occasions, St. Jerome stood outside the church doors doing penance for his bad temper. While this was true, more than anything he was a staunch defender of the truth and an ardent lover of the Word of God. He felt that anyone who taught error was an enemy of God to be defeated with the swift and sure strokes of his powerful pen. St. Jerome was a scholar of great wisdom and understanding. He was a master of Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, and he spent many years in study in the celebrated centers of scholarship like Rome and Alexandria. He was a great student of sacred learning because he realized its vital role in obtaining the beatific vision. He once said, Let us learn upon earth those things which can call us to heaven. Sometimes feared for his veracity, but always known to be a genuine man of God, St. Jerome was respected by his peers. St. Augustine said of him, What Jerome does not know, no mortal man has ever known. He was very prolific in his writings. Above all, his scriptural writings have been without equal in the history of the church. St. Jerome is most remembered for his translation of the Bible into the common or vulgar language of the people, making it more accessible to the common people. Called the Vulgate, his vigilant and meticulous translation was very popular and became the standard version of the Bible for over a thousand years. Many who question the authority of the Church like to point to the fact that St. Jerome openly opposed the inclusion of the seven deuterocanonical books in the official canon of the Bible. 
While this is true, as he rarely held his opinions to himself, few people realize that ultimately St. Jerome recognized, upheld, and defended the authority of Holy Mother Church in defining the canon and placed the books in their rightful place in the Bible. In 402 AD, St. Jerome wrote regarding this issue, What sin have I committed if I follow the judgment of the churches? At the end of his life, St. Jerome finally settled in Bethlehem, where he lived in a cave believed to be the birthplace of Jesus. He died there in 420 AD. His feast day is September 30th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back at the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, still sort of like uh, enjoying just the being in this booth. Taking it's, it all in. It's very nice. It's very nice. We've got Monsignor John MacArthur here with us, um, pastor of St. Louis Catholic Church in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, we should mention that this, this place has been voted the best place to worship in Memphis. I think that's pretty cool. It is. We're yeah. proud of it. We really are. <laughs> exactly. It, you know, it, it's, if someone looks up and says, where am I supposed to go Sunday? <laughs> they know. that Pick here the best. That's here, right. here we are. And I guess we're hearing some of the reasons why we might be the best. And actually, really, the Catholic Church is the best. We experience Amen. all these things really wherever we go. But I think that, Monsignor, you would agree that there are different people, different uh, temperaments, different um, different times, different cultures, different customs. Really, just uh, different tastes, right? And there, it's a big church, and so there's a lot of people out there who will say, "Well, I don't go because," and they'll have this list of reasons, and, and we've heard, we've heard them all. Whether it's I don't like the preaching, you know, present company excluded, obviously, but <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't like the music or, or uh, the sound system doesn't work, you know, or it's a foreign priest and I can't understand exactly. him. You know, you hear all these reasons why people want to go. Some may be more more valid than others, but. Really, are those not just excuses? I think they are excuses. There's some validity to it. I think it's a time, too, of uh, self-evaluating that the preachers, uh, myself included, we have to look and see if we're praying and studying, developing, sharing the word and touching people's hearts and lives where they speak now and music or whatever. If you hear sometimes if you hear enough criticism or suggestions, you, you need to listen and say, what can we do to meet your needs but on the other hand, you don't go there for entertainment. You don't go there for uh, a perfect place. Uh, I said one time, Dick and Jeff, I think you were there. <laughs> if you're looking for a perfect church, then I will help you go and find it. But as soon as you join it, it no longer will be perfect because we all we all do fail. Everybody left when you said that. I finally got a good response in Homley. <clears throat> but it, it's, it is that, and, and that's understandable because... You don't like to go to this movie because you don't like that actor. You don't like to go because you don't like that type of uh, science fiction, maybe. Or I, I don't like science fiction movies. I don't go to them. But if I was going because there was something culturally there that I need, I would go, even if it was the science fiction. Science uh, fiction. But the mass, you, you've got to realize it's deeper than the external things that you see or do. If, if you don't find the peace there, there's other Catholic churches. I don't recommend that. I believe strongly in your own parish. And things grow and change. And I grew up at a time when we went to Mass in the Latin days. I, we wouldn't have missed for the world and nothing. And we had a priest who I loved to death, but he was the worst preacher I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and every week, and all his basic line was, and therefore, Holy Mother Church says, and we just repeat that. 
But I loved him to death, and I never, my parents never said a thing. She'd kid sometime my mother about, and therefore, y'all better, and, but we, we loved church, and we loved the Eucharist, and as I look back, probably, yeah, I would probably have been better to have gone there and been more enhanced, but I knew what was important. What I was taught is that's the Eucharist, that's Jesus, and, and he's present in the priest, even in his flaws and weaknesses, which... I admit all of us have. Yeah, right. Well, you fewer than others, but <laughs> you mentioned something important, I think, that you talked about family, that the parish is your family. And it's one of the reasons why when people say, well, why do you call the priest father? Well, he's exactly. your spiritual father. And this really is a family. And earlier you'd mentioned this importance of Sunday dinner and things like that and how important that was. I, I think about that. There's a television show called Blue Bloods. I think it's on uh, uh-huh. TV. And, I, and, and yeah. one of my favorite parts about that is where they, at the end of the show, they like to get together and there's like this Sunday dinner. Mm-hmm. And it's very important to them. It's traditional. But a lot of things happen there. A lot They're of tension. enriched. Yeah. A lot of tension. But, but the reality is a lot of good things oh, come yeah, out absolutely. of that. They, they, it's, it's a great model because they are Catholic in the, in the show. They make the sign of the cross. They say the traditional Catholic prayer before blessing a meal. But they do. You'll come there and one son is angry with the uh, sister and that you see it come across. Well, we come to church. We're not, you know, it's not a perfect place society. It's a hospital for sinners and sick people. And we all have tension with one another. And so yet we're called there to be one. And that's the reality. That's what I love. That's a great example of what, you know, a Catholic mass is in a secular way. We come to eat and we come to nurture and pray. And vent, maybe, and seek forgiveness and forgive others, and it's a great model for And that. it's important that we do that in, in community, especially the community that we were born into, our family. And, and as a parish modeled after a, a human family, the idea that we come together, that we, we lift each other up. We can't do it on our own. No. Mm-mm. Right? I hear people all the time use that expression. We're here in the Bible Belt, you know, and uh, we hear a lot of time that personal relationship with jesus which we encourage even catholics encourage a personal relationship Absolutely. but we we do th- so in community and some some things you hear today which i understand the point is i'm spiritual i'm not religious right but what does that mean other than sometimes an excuse as one of the comedians said for just to hit the snooze button but we also have to realize jesus established a religion this is my rock peter you're building on my church on this rock and he started a church and a family and a community, and he wants us to be faithful to the laws and to worship and give praise, to be fed. And so it's a constant call to be part of something. And the church is a visible society. It's not just invisible. It's it's a visible people of God gathered with a father and the parish father in Rome, but also domestic family. We leave church like St. Louis. We should go home, talk about the homily, talk about the readings. Have a meal, pray, let the father, in the traditional sense, be the right. priest of the family. That's Which the universal church calls the domestic the church. Domestic church, I mean, exactly. It's all about church and, and being in that family and staying in that family. And so that's why I think it's, it's important for us to talk about, um, it's really, I, I don't want to say a sin so much as just it's, it's a bad thing. Bad things happen when you leave the family. It is. Well, I mean, I, I often have people say, well, I go to this church or that church, a Catholic church is still... And, but I still belong to y'all. And I said, well, what if your children decided to go to Wendy's and McDonald's and Burger King every night and not eat with y'all? Well, I wouldn't let them do that, but you'll do that to the church. Right. And then, oh, I see great your analogy. point. You know, so, yeah. That's yeah. a great analogy. He knows I eat a lot of McDonald's and Wendy's. <laughs> yeah, that really <laughs> is a good he's, picture. He's speaking to me. But then also folks talk about their busy lives and their work schedules. Do we have a little problem with priorities, do you think? Absolutely. Uh, we find time for everything. And I like to tell kids, and I do this all the time, 168 hours are in a week. Now, just think of that. And God really, although every hour should be dedicated to giving glory and honor to God, but 
basically with our busy lives, only one is required that you say everything else is secondary. And I'm going to find an hour to go be with God at the family, the community, just like I'm going to go be with mom and dad. Even though Sunday afternoon is rough, I'm busy, you know, we got kids, we got ball games. I'm going to go by and be with the family, and that, that's just that's who we are. Yeah, I remember a priest one time talking about if only I could put goalposts at the end, at the front and the back of the <laughs> right, church, right, right, and, and that your vestments would be black and white striped. <laughs> that place would be full. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I see a lot see of hollering going on now. <laughs> well, West West some of that now. <laughs> so, you know, Monsignor, what would you say to somebody who you know they they come they come to you and say, you know, I'm I miss this, but I haven't been in years. I had one guy the other day say, you know, I went to mass. And when did they start saying thing that and with your spirit? Yeah, and I said, dude, you don't realize what you just told me. You haven't been to mass since 2011. <laughs> exactly, you know? it shows four or five years there. And I like to kid some people come in. They're very good Catholics, and I say, come in, welcome. I say, you won't believe the priest faces the people now, and the mass is in English. And, Father, don't say that out loud. But I think sometimes when I do that, I just say, well, if you have any questions, first of all, come. We'll, we'll sit down in the office and explain it to you. But go. And you'll get catch on with it. It's, it's nothing really dramatic in 2011 changed. Well, they can do like all the other Catholics, just kind of move their lips, yeah, you know, just right. stand when everybody else doesn't sit when they do. And I guess all kidding aside, you know, the reality is it's important that you go back. And so it, you don't want to, like, put it off. And think yeah. It's just to and, and create some big dramatic thing in your life that I can't get there. Absolutely. And, and people fear it. You've got to go to this. But to be able to go and say, hey, I'm, I'm a weak person. I've failed. I'm doing this. The priest understands that, but to be able to say, God loves you, and the uh, prodigal son story is here, and the good shepherd loves you and has come after you and forgives you, go in peace, get up and stand and walk in the light, and do, don't live in the darkness, and that's freeing so much in our heart that you want to go, and what does the Eucharist mean but Thanksgiving? We should go in Thanksgiving for all that we have. You know, people think because they're smart and went to college or they have a home or a big job that they've self-made that. They're God. God gave them the ability to have those things and to accomplish those things. So come back and say, thank you for all that I have given. And then maybe it touches our conscience. Hey, I have to share back a little bit of the blessings that I have and be a better steward with everything. But to, to, to come back and realize all that I am and all that I have, all that I do, people in your life, family, children, Sometimes we take them to ball games and we forget that they're blessings that we need to share the faith with and not uh, get them to be a better hitter against left-handed pitching so that they can come back and say, thank you, God, for these children, for my faith, for life. And that's what Sunday Mass should be about. They can still do the pitching thing. Amen. Absolutely. I love baseball. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but the Mass is what sustains us in all of that sure. and, and keeps us having the right perspective in our yeah. lives. Yeah. Monsignor, thank you so much for spending some time with us to talk about uh, Mass and how important it is and what a great grace and a gift it is to us. Well, to, I love it and I appreciate it. I'm so glad I love the new Catholic Cafe. It's a great. beautiful thing. Thank you so much. Let's, uh, let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the gifts you've given us, especially the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, whose life, death, and resurrection we commemorate at every Holy Mass. Pour out upon us, we pray, your many graces through this mystical encounter with your Son, and may we be sustained in the word and sacrament we receive. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.